Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can be seated. Thank you so much for being here today. I believe God has something powerful to speak to you as we climb into his word. Nehemiah chapter one is where we're going. We're going Old Testament today. I wanna thank you uh, for tuning in online, all of you who are watching uh, on the miracle of the interwebs. Thank you so much. Uh, drop us a note if you would. Let us know where you're watching from. It's always a, a cool moment. We get to connect and see where God's word has, has spread uh, through us, and it's a powerful thing. If you like what you're hearing today, or even if you don't like it, would you go ahead and click the share button and you, <laughs> use your social media influence to, uh, to share Jesus with your friends. Uh, we're gonna continue on with our series called Unsubscribe. Somebody say, Unsubscribe which means we're letting go of some things that just don't belong in our lives, things that we've kind of embraced over the past two years as our world has kind of been plunged into a, a brand new season that nobody signed up for, but we just all find ourselves having to deal with it. And in the process of dealing with all these things, there are some, there's, there's some issues, there's some traits, there's some beliefs that kind of boil to the surfaces of our lives. And if we're not careful, they'll end up defining us and we'll carry them into the next season and the next season and the next season after that. I believe that God's word has some powerful things to say about where we are today and how we are to live above the times and the things that we see and we're experiencing here. And so if you're a note taker, I'm gonna have six things for you. If you're a list person like me, more power to you. We're gonna talk today about unsubscribing from frustration. In every service, it's always the same. When I say frustration, everybody goes, oh God. He read my emails again. He's, he's seen my social media. How does he know? No, we've all experienced unbelievable frustration. It seems to be part of just the spirit of the age of what we're having to deal with is we're constantly met with frustration after frustration after frustration. Now, if, if we're gonna be honest today, we have to admit some of those frustrations are perhaps not as frustrating as we'd like to believe that they are. I mean, some of those are best categorized as hashtag first world problems. I cannot believe, I'm so frustrated today. What happened? They misspelled my name on my Starbucks cup. Can you believe that? That's trash. Cancel, cancel them. They misspelled my name. It is Chris with a B. Everyone knows this. <laughs> I cannot believe I went to get a pedicure and that lady didn't even paint my baby nail. I know that there's not a nail there, but she's supposed to paint the skin. I'm wearing... Shoes that show the baby nail, paint the skin. First world problems. There, there are some things that we've been dealing with that perhaps, uh, if, if we were to be honest, are not as frustrating as some of the things other people are having to walk through. But there are some very, very real frustrations. And I wanna just say this, uh, they're not all invalid. They're not all just first world problems. Some of these are very, very real. What, what is the point where it goes from a healthy frustration to unhealthy? And could it be that God's word shows us what to do when we're frustrated and how God redeems those frustrations to give us something that you could not get at any other point of your life? There are some things that God allows to frustrate you because he's revealing, please hear me, your purpose. There is a healthy frustration. Now, when it's unhealthy, when all of us are walking through unhealthy frustrations and, and our passions are high, there's some ridiculous things that begin to take place in our world. And we see this, uh, they take root in the lives of believers and uh, lead us into a place that's really not good. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll say it this way. Frustrations and passion without healthy outlets become criticism. And a critical spirit begins to creep into the body of Christ. And instead of us looking for a place 
for our frustrations to become part of God's plan, we get critical. We go the other way. And this is how you know it's either healthy or unhealthy. Am I able to go to the presence of God with this or am I blogging about it? Have I put this in all caps in a text? And some of us are like, Lord, just, just don't convict me of anything wrong until after I hit send on this. Like, get off the all caps, right? Why are you yelling at me? But our frustrations have a way of doing that when we don't have healthy biblical outlets. What are we to do with all the frustration that we've experienced, that you've experienced, that your children and grandchildren are experiencing? How do we keep this in a healthy place? How do we submit this to God? What are the healthy outlets? How do we unsubscribe from pointless frustration? How do we do that? So in Nehemiah chapter one, I believe it gives us six powerful keys on what to do with the frustration that we're feeling, how to keep it into a healthy place, how to send it back to either the hell from whence it came or to take it to the presence of God and say, okay, Lord, how does this affect me? Because I'm feeling really deeply and passionately about this. What is healthy about it? What is unhealthy? You still with me? So if I'm gonna catch you up in the story as we're dealing with this, uh, Nehemiah takes place right at the very, very end of the Old Testament. Chronologically, this is the last book of the Old Testament. It will be 400 years before Jesus arrives on the scene. So I know that it doesn't appear at the, at the end of your Old Testament, but chronologically, it's the end. So this is the end of Act 1. This is how God begins to show up and do the miraculous and supernatural in a time that is extremely frustrating and where passions and emotions are high. And so Nehemiah is a Jew. He's an Israelite that has been uh, led into slavery, captivity. In the process of him earning the trust of the king, he gets promoted to the position of cupbearer. Now, I don't know about you, um, cupbearer sounds like a really cool thing until you realize it's the guy that has to drink the king's wine before the king does in case somebody's trying to poison him. I don't know about you, they probably didn't list that on his resume, but... (laughs) But it is a position that God has supernaturally and strategically positioned him right into that spot to earn the trust of his boss. I wonder if that's a little foreshadowing for you. What could God do with the strategic positioning of your life? If the things that frustrated you about your boss, and none of my staff better raise your hands on any of these questions I'm asking. (laughs) What could God do with the frustrations on the job if you let him. So they've been in captivity now for 70 years, and this also takes place right on the same timeline as the book of Malachi, as, as, uh, as the book of Esther. If you like those stories, these are all happening at the same time, okay? So the end of the Old Testament, and in this, in, in this story, we find Nehemiah, as the cupbearer to the king, asks about a group of people that have gone back to Jerusalem, the place where their grandparents and parents had had talked about. This was God's holy city. This was amazing. It was the place that God gave us, and yet we sinned, and God's God's punishment because of our disobedience allowed us to be overtaken, and now it's, it's left lying in ruins. Nehemiah asked about the people that had been to Jerusalem, and the report that he gets back of the walls being broken down and the city lying in ruins, it just hits him hard, and it becomes something that he just couldn't stop thinking about. He couldn't stop the passion that's birthing inside of his heart. And that frustration and the passion begins to collide in his heart. And God begins to do something special with it. And in this story, we find some keys that he's able to walk through that help us know what to do with the frustration that we're feeling today. So follow along if you would. Uh, Nehemiah chapter one, we'll pick it up in verse four. He says, when I heard these things, I sat down 
and wept. And for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer that your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. He says, I confess the sins that we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws that you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction that you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to a place that I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. I love that Nehemiah reminds God of his promise, reminds God of his word, takes responsibility for it. He says, but God, you said this. And I feel this deeply inside of my chest. I I feel what you said and I recognize that this is the time that we're living in. He says this, they are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. So as we finish with our reading today, I want you to see in this story that his heartbreak and his frustration and his passion, when he goes to the presence of God, become his purpose. It changes everything about his life. He can't fathom anything else but this. I wonder, have you ever walked through a time of your life where it just seems like you've got this one thing that's weighing on your heart, your one thing that's weighing on your mind, and you can't seem to process anything else. It's just like this, this feels, it, it just, it's out of place. It's not right. There needs to be justice here. There needs to be, something has to happen with this situation right here. God, where are you? Because this is, I just, I can't sleep. I can't eat. I can't think about anything else but this situation. And could it be that there's a healthy outlet for that and a very unhealthy outlet for that? And most of the time, when we go through years like 2020 and 2021 and maybe 2022, we take the other road. I believe that passion in God's hands begins to reveal our purpose. And I wanna show you this through the, through the power of scripture, that the things that God has put inside of your heart, the things that you feel deeply about, the things that you feel like there needs to be some justice here could be the power of God on your life to push you into something that you never dreamed on your wildest dreams would be your purpose in life. I love what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah was an old school, Old Testament prophet. And the things that he said, people didn't like. The things that he preached about, people were like, "Mm, yeah, that, I'm, I'm not going to his church. And so he tried to not say the things that God had put on his heart. He, had tr- he tried to not say the, the things that he knew that people needed to hear, but perhaps they didn't want to hear. And I love what he responds in, this, in, in chapter 20 of Jeremiah. He says, but if I say I will not mention his word or, or speak anymore in his name, he said, his word is it's, it, it's in my heart like a fire, like a fire shut up inside my bones. I, I, I'm weary of holding it in. It's It's, it's frustrating. He says, I, I can't do it. It's my purpose. I'm passionate about it. 
It's what God created me for. So a while back, I, I had a, a, a friend that asked me two questions. And I've been asked this before, and I, I kind of come back to this, these two questions every once in a while to make sure that I'm, that I'm doing what God has called me to do, that I'm passionate about the things that God has called me to be passionate about, and that I'm not passionate about the things that God has not called me to be passionate about. There's some things that you're passionate about, some things that frustrate you that I could care less, honestly. Like, hey, that's good for you. I'm, it makes you really angry. Like, that's cool, whatever. That don't help me none. But the question was this, uh, what makes you tick? And what ticks you off? What makes you tick? What ticks you off? And the point behind those questions would be because we want you to be at a place where every day you, you wake up with a sense of purpose. The sense of what I'm doing makes a difference because there's something I feel like I am uniquely called and qualified to do that I'm doing every single day because it, it just makes me tick. It gives me a sense of purpose. And my sense may be different than yours, but here's the thing, when we can take those things that make us tick and that tick us off and put those into the hands of the God that created us, you've got something powerful there. Now, if you don't, it becomes nothing but frustration. It becomes nothing but a critical spirit. And so you've been dealing with your frustrations. Could it be that there's a better way to deal with those and process through than what we've done? I think if we can be honest today in God's house, we've all walked through frustrating times and the things that come out of our mouths and onto our social media page are way more critical than they are healthy frustration being processed through the filter of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so how do we unsubscribe from this? How do we unsubscribe from an unhealthy frustration how do we unsubscribe from that critical spirit? How do we unsubscribe from those pointless passions that do nothing but just make things worse? I believe that frustration is a feeling and we have a statement in our culture that says choices lead, feelings follow. So if I know that I'm feeling frustrated, I'm gonna make biblical choices so that my feelings will fall in line with God's word. You still with me? So what do we do with frustrations that constantly mount? Number one, as we're going through these number six, I want to, I want to make sure that I started with this. Uh, we choose to submit our frustration to God's plan. Not to your timeline, not to your budget. That's free, but something that you need to make sure that you understand. We choose to submit those to God's plan. Now, I want to give you six things with this. So that was uh, not correctly number one, but that's just, that's the preview. Number one of six Ways to unsubscribe from frustration is we have to choose to reject. I put this in quotes. It is what it is. I have perhaps heard those words more over this city than any other city that I've ever lived in. When someone makes a statement about what they can't stand about our city, the end of the conversation at some point will end up with it is what it is. Right? which means it is what it is. Can't change it, can't fix it, can't win, don't try. When we, when we choose to subscribe to it is what it is, we leave no room for faith, we leave no room for God to change it, we say, I've accepted it, it is what it is. I don't know about you, but there's not a lot of room for that in God's word. As a matter of fact, when Jesus is approached with that same kind of issue, he comes back in Matthew 19 and says, with man, yeah, it's impossible. 
But with God, all things are possible. So it is what it is, never becomes it was what it was because we don't allow God room to move. We have to choose to reject. This is the way it's always been. This is the way it's always gonna be. When I'm feeling frustrated, one of the ways to turn off all healthy outlets is just to say, it is what it is. I'm gonna always feel this way. We can reject it is what it is and start seeing things as they could be through the eyes of faith by saying, okay, God, I realize that without you, it isn't possible. But your word tells me with God, all things are possible. And could it be that it doesn't have to be what it is any longer? Could it be that the things that we're seeing in our city, instead of just complaining about them, the things that we're seeing in our businesses or in our children or in our family or in our DNA, instead of just saying it is what it is, we're just Irish, it is what it is. What does that mean? You guys are fighting at every family reunion? It is what it is. Like, no, that's not healthy. Yeah, but it is what it is. Choose to reject it is what it is. Start seeing things through the eyes of faith. Here's number two. Choose to wait and listen. No one likes waiting and listening, especially not children. (laughs) Wait. No. Listen. What? (laughs) Children of God don't like it either. When I'm passionate about something, when I'm frustrated about something, when there's injustice, when there's something that I feel like needs to be changed, instead of going to who's to blame, someone should do something, you guys should fix that. This is the problem with our world. That's the problem with this government. That's the problem with this president. This is the problem with that church. This is the problem with that boss. Could it be that our response, like Nehemiah, is much different? Wait and listen. Instead of typing and griping and emailing and storytelling instead of Facebooking and goose goose cooking instead of whatever it may be, blogging and flogging. Look what Nehemiah does when he hears something that hits him hard and things he's passionate about and frustrated about hit him right in the feels. He says, I sat and I wept and I mourned and I fasted and I prayed. When was the last time the deepest frustrations, the things about your life that are frustrating to no end were on your prayer list? And let me just say this. When was the last time you fasted about it? Because I don't know if you know this, but fasting is one of the most basic Christian disciplines. But our world has drifted away from that. I don't want to fast about it. I don't want to pray about it. I want to complain about it. And then my pastor better fix it. That doesn't happen here. Happens in the church of the people that are watching online. That, that's not us. No, we've been. You know, I've had to learn this statement in ministry um, because it's, it's very, very easy uh, for people to do what I naturally do. Uh, as a person that's been raised in church and raised around churches, that's been to a ton of churches, it's very, very easy for me to walk in any church and become instantly critical. I can pick it apart with the best of them. Like, well, that's not technically true. That's biblical heresy. That person doesn't look like they belong on the worship team at all. That must be some kind of elder's wife because she can't sing. You know, (laughs) this church is all about money and this church is all about that. It's easy for me to do that. I do that with absolutely uh, no forethought. Easy for me to do it. I am the most critical person in any church because if I get unhealthy and I'm walking in church, I'll pick it apart. None of you would ever do that, especially not here. This place is perfect, but 
Easy for me to do it. You have your things. You have your issues. You have your expertise, the things that you know about, you've studied about, you've Googled about it more than once. That when you see it, you're like, that's what's wrong. That's what's wrong. Now, there are some things that you're not wrong about. You may not be wrong at all. And there could be a holy frustration there that God wants to redeem and push you out of criticism and back to a place where you found your purpose. And when people continually will, will come to me and say, well, your church should have this. Your church should have that. Your church needs to take care of this. Your church needs to take care of this. It's very, very easy for me to say, absolutely, because I, I want to people please. Like, you know what? We should do that. Let's, let's take all of our budget and do that just to solve it for you. Like, and you never see that person again, but they, they were loud and they were critical. So you want to take care of them. I, I want to do that. I've learned this statement and you can take this for me and, and use this in any area of your life. Some of you are going to say it to your wife. Some of you are going to say it to your spouse. Some of you are going to say it to your kids today. <laughs> Here's a statement. Uh, your passion is not my burden. <laughs> your passion is not my burden. That means some of the things that God has made you passionate about are for you and for you to fix. That's your purpose. That's why God has purposed you that way. You're so passionate about it because it's not my job to fix it. That's your ministry. That's who God made you to be. And you're going to always feel frustrated until you start taking a step of faith to fix the things that God has purposed in your life for you to fix. Your passion is not my burden. Otherwise, we'll become a church. That's a golden corral. Party till you puke. We got everything. <laughs> We're not good at everything. We're only good at a couple of things. It's the truth. I've had to learn. Like Some of the things that God has made his people passionate about, if they're becoming critical about it, could it be that this is the very thing that God has designed them and built them for? Pastor one time told me this. He said, righteous indignation can quickly become unrighteous communication. This is an alarm bell letting us know we're not healthy. We're not in a good place. When something that God has purposed inside of you, something that frustrates you, a call to justice, a call to something to fix something that's wrong, becomes unrighteous communication. Nehemiah sat down and wept and prayed and talked about it to Jesus first. Before he blogged about it, before he put in all caps text, before he sent a, a, a blind carbon copy email to everyone on the staff, he sat down, he prayed, he fasted about it for many days. And God began to do something that only God could do. He began to stir the heart of the king. I wonder what change could come to not just our city, our country, but to your family. If you made a determination, you're going to fast about it and do more than complain about it. You know, Nehemiah heard that report and it broke his heart. He began to fast and pray. He didn't explode. He took it to prayer. I'll say it this way. Prayer is where our passion meets God's purpose. It becomes submitted to him. This is a healthy way of dealing with your frustration. Have you prayed about it? So I had a... Um, a pastor friend of mine that we were hired at the same time we were on staff at a church in Fort Worth, Texas and we grew up kind of in ministry together. We'd be on staff together for several years and things were great. We were just buddies helping each other out until he got promoted over me. Now, I'm sure that you in this situation would have breezed through that. I did not take that well at all. Not just because he got promoted but because I didn't. 
And now all of a sudden I have to report to this person, which led from one frustration to the next because that was my friend and he still treated us like we were friends. I treated him like he didn't need to have this job. And I remember going to my oversight and saying, look, you need to fix him. I'm sitting here trying to report to him. He won't text me back. He won't call me back. Everything that he does, I've got a problem with this and a problem with that. And I have dates and times and receipts for all of it. You need to fire him. And Bauer said, said, have you prayed for him? I'm like, that's stupid. This is not the time to pray. This is time for action. Now, was he right? No, there's still some things he was doing that was wrong. Was I right? Mostly. Mostly. But I hadn't prayed about it. I'd not even thought about what kind of pressure he might be under. Hashtag first world problems. Was I frustrated? Sure. But in the process, the Lord was teaching me how to submit when I didn't agree. Which is an important lesson when you're a senior pastor leading a large staff of a large church and asking people, can you still walk with me even though we don't agree on everything? If I didn't learn that lesson then, I couldn't ask you to do it now. We're not gonna agree on everything. I promise you we won't. But I'm gonna line up my life as best as I can with God's word. And say, you don't have to agree with me, but if God's word says it, can you at least be open to asking? Some of us make up our mind before we ever read the scripture. What does his word say? It's important for me to learn that. So I've had to reject, it is what it is, choose to wait and listen. Then number three, choose to take personal responsibility. I'm not pointing fingers, except at ourselves. Like, okay, Lord. And I love that this is what Nehemiah does. He says this in, in verse six. He said, Lord, I confess the sins of we Israelites, including, somebody say the next word, myself. Myself and my father's family have committed against you. I think some of the things that frustrate us most about other people are actually pointing a finger back at us. Some of the things that frustrate you to no end about your children are because you. <laughs> they learned it from you. My mom used to say, you are of your father the devil. I'm like, no, my dad's name is Jeff. <laughs> but she was right. Like, you, oh, your dad does the same thing. It's frustrating me. I'm like, hey, where do you think I learned it from? We don't have a television. We have a television since I was 13 years old. I learned it from dad. That's the way he does it. Choose to take personal responsibility. Here's number four. You guys aren't listening quite fast enough. We have to move a little bit faster. Here's number four. <laughs> Choose to submit your resources. So Nehemiah, as the cupbearer to the king, had been strategically placed exactly where he was for that season to do something that people thought could never be done. But in this moment of deep frustration, he begins to ask the Lord, okay, if I'm feeling this so strongly, then how can I help? And takes some personal responsibility, submits his own resources, which is his trustworthiness and his job back to the heart of God. I wonder when was the last time that you were really submitting your resources to the Lord to solve something that frustrates you. It's easy for us to say somebody should do something, but never put personal responsibility or put our own money where our mouth is. 
It's easy for us to not do that. And I'm the world's worst. It's easy for me to be critical of the church when I'm just consuming. But that's not a biblical model of what a church should be. Never has been. Healthy version says, I'm here to help. I'm here to contribute. I'm gonna be part of the solution, not just part of the problem. But we don't like to hear that. Here's the thing. With literally dozens of people in God's word, God brings them to the same place that he's bringing many of us today. They're frustrated about things going on in their world and God calls them to change it. They have the same conversation that not only Nehemiah has, but people like Moses had to. Lord, I'm not the one. I'm nobody. I'm just trying to make enough money to pay my bills at the end of the month. I got no education. I got no, I can't even talk right. Moses says, I'm stuttering. Use my brother. He's a good speaker. Use him. God's like, I choose you. Okay, God, what, are, what in the world is gonna make them believe that you've sent me? And God asks him the simple question that I believe he's asking of you today. Four words, what's in your hand? Can I use what you have to take the thing that frustrates you to no end and change the world? And this is where a lot of believers will draw the line. No thanks. Because we foolishly believe in our own mind that there's no way God could use us. And there's no way he could take something so small and insignificant as what I have and change anything. And we miss out on the healthy frustration and the passion that God has put inside of each of us to change the world. I'm telling you this because I've lived on both sides of that. There's been plenty of times in my life that I thought there's no way that God could use some kid from nowhere to go to a city where he literally knows no one and watch a church begin to change a city. I recognize that I am nobody from nowhere. But when I look at God's word, I see he does this all the time. What if you took that challenge? What if we had the 700 of us that gathered together today and each of us started believing that God could do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think? If we were just willing to do more than complain about something that you're passionate about, but start to actually submit your resources, take personal responsibility and say, okay, God, I dare you, use me. You change more than a city. Do you have any idea the potential that is in this room? What's in your hand? And let me just go um, a little bit step deeper. I'm, I'm gonna step on your toes one last time, then we'll get to some fun stuff. Let me finish it this, this way. Um, if you won't risk what you have, it's not passion, it's just complaining. Number five, last two. Choose to take it one step at a time. I wanna make sure you hear me say that. How do we deal with frustrations and, and high passion? One step at a time, one step at a time. Because otherwise you're gonna get overwhelmed and you need to listen to the message from last week about burnout. Passion without healthy outlets will lead you to burnout every time. You're strong, you're fired up, you're passionate about something, you're frustrated about, let's fix this. Come on, here we go, woo! And the next thing you know, like, this is dumb, I just wanna die. This, who is leading this thing, me? Yeah, you should not have elected me to lead this. I, I am, I'm not the guy. 
One step at a time. I love that in Nehemiah's prayer, he doesn't ask for the whole staircase. He asks for one step. He said, Lord, if you hear my prayer, if there's something I'm frustrated about, I'm passionate about it, it's breaking my heart, I've fasted about it, I've prayed about it. If, if this is something I'm supposed to handle, I ask you to give me one thing, favor. Favor. Give me favor with the king. And God does it. We have a statement in our culture that I wanna make sure that you hear because this could change your life. Three words, follow the favor. What is God blessing in your life? And then you take your resources and begin to fund that. This is what we've done as a church. We've recognized that there are plenty of areas in our church, there's no favor on it. It it lasted for a season and God has blessed something else. And so we look at that and say, if God's not blessing it, why are we still doing it? God's hand isn't on it anymore. Was it great? Sure. Do we have to stay doing it because we're comfortable? No. Do we follow the favor even if it makes us uncomfortable? Yes. Why? Because he's there. That's where God is. And I want to be in the center, in the middle of everything that he's doing. And I want you to experience the same thing. This is where your passion gets a fire to it because it's blessed by God. It's powerful and it can change your world. Choose to take it one step at a time. And then lastly, we'll finish with this. Number six, after you fasted, after you prayed, after you submitted it to the Lord, after you've made sure that this is in a healthy place and not just a complaining, bitter place, now you choose to share the passion. It's submitted passion. It's holy passion. It's favor-filled passion. It's faith-filled passion. And man, people will come. People love to see somebody set themselves on fire. They will come. <laughs> this is one of the things I love about groups because you're gonna find people that share your passions. The things that make you tick and the things that tick you off, you'll find them. We start gathering together. And when it's not about complaining or being bitter or finger pointing at somebody else, you start finding reinforcements. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing for you. This is where we share our passions. What makes you tick? What ticks you off? And when people come together, not to complain, but to help and to reinforce and to push the ball down the field, the miraculous begins to happen. Nehemiah asked for favor, and guess what? He got it. The king sent him, said, go. And he went. Now, if you read the story, it says he goes by night and just checks it out by himself for a while before he ever publicly announces what he's doing. He takes it step by step. But as soon as people find out that his, this, a simple cupbearer, not a pastor, not a world leader, not a world changer, wants to go and rebuild some walls around the old city that got destroyed, they come. And they take a wall that is two and a half miles long, 12 foot high, eight and a half foot thick. That is thick with three C's. Thick. They rebuild the entire thing in 52 days. 52 days. Now tell me TextDot can do that. No, they can't. <laughs> through the frustrations, through the attacks, they rebuild the wall in 52 days, working around the clock because passion burns when it's healthy and when it's holy. And it motivates us to change what we thought could never be changed. I love what it says in, in verse six of chapter four. It says, because the people had a mind to work. When passion meets people having a mind to work, you can change anything. 
When the people have a mind to complain, nothing changes. It just makes everything else worse. Where are you? What makes you tick and what ticks you off? Is it healthy and redeemed? Or is it leaving you in a place where frustrations keep mounting and you don't know how to fix it? You can unsubscribe from this by making some healthy and biblical choices. Do you believe me? I want to finish up with a simple statement. Yes, it is what it is until God uses you to help change it. Something I thought would never change and I was told would never change. I was told it is what it is about Longview, about our city. Churches would never work together. There's a spirit of competition that I have never seen. And if you're watching online and you're like, hey, we see churches work together all the time. Not here. (laughs) Not here. It's competing for sheep. Because everybody's saved. They just rotate churches. Don't act like you don't know that. You live here. This is what we do. And your church becomes the ex-girlfriend. When your wife makes you angry, go back to the ex-girlfriend. That's what happens over and over. Churches don't work together. We compete. And when I ask about, is this normal? It is what it is. Is it? Is it right? No. But two weeks ago, when you see a group of churches begin to work together, you see 14 pastors on stage praying together, walking together in unity. Don't tell me it is what it is. I say it was what it was. That has changed. What could God do with your life, with your job, with your career, with your family, with your children, with your grandchildren? It is what it is. We've got to just accept it. No, you don't. No, you don't. We can redeem it. We can unsubscribe from unhealthy frustration, submit to the authority of God's word, and watch biblical choices bring about world change. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? As we finish up today, I want to speak to everybody that's been dealing with an unlimited amount of frustrations. I feel that so strongly from the Holy Spirit. This is something that you've been dealing with over and over and over with, and you're like, hey, pastor, you're reading my mail today. I've been dealing with a lot of frustrations this week. I'm not afraid to admit it. I wanna be free from that junk. If you're watching online and that's you, just click a thumbs up in the chat. That's you, because we're gonna pray for you, and I believe that God's gonna break some stuff off of you today. If that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody's looking at you, it's just me and you. been dealing with an unhealthy amount of frustrations, a lot. And it's wearing on you. If I've done my job correctly today, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right where you are. And I wonder, are you man enough, are you woman enough to respond and get free? Or have you just accepted that it is what it is? If that's you, right where you are, would you slip your hand up? Man, this is not good for me. I'm not in a good place. I've been dealing with a lot of frustrations. It's wearing on me. My patience has gotten short. There's a lot of things the Holy Spirit's telling me to to, to delete, and I I, I want it all caps. I want to type it out. I want to blog about it. I want to give somebody a piece of my mind. I'm, I'm unhealthy. This is not good. Right where you are, many people lifting their hands all across this place. Powerful. I want to pray for you. Right where you are, receive this. Father, today, just like Nehemiah did, we come to you and ask you for help. We confess, Lord, that perhaps we have gotten off track with this thing, and this has gone to an unhealthy place, but that's not who you created us to be. We pray that instead we would find in all of these frustrations passion 
for holiness, passion for the right thing, passion for your word, passion for the things that break your heart, not just what breaks ours. Father, there's so many things that we think it just is what it is, things that we thought we could never change. Lord, we unsubscribe from that today. We take a second look and say, wait a minute, could it be that you're using us to change it? Holy Spirit, would you come? I just pray for every single person right now dealing with a ton of frustration. Would you help them? Push away from criticism and back to the truth of your word in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to finish today by asking a simple question. My friend, if you're here today, if you're watching online and you have never asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, if you've never given your life to the Lord, you need to do that. You may say, I'm not sure how to do that, Pastor. Let me help you, just like somebody helped me one time. I want to lead you in a simple prayer. It's not a magical prayer. It's a prayer of faith. I'll show you how to do it right where you are. You can pray this prayer with me. You can do it out loud or you can do it in your heart. It doesn't matter how you do it. The most important thing is that you believe it. If you want to take a step towards Jesus Christ today, if you want to ask him to forgive you of your sins, then pray this prayer with me. The prayer goes like this. Jesus I believe you're the son of God. Come on, friend, pray with me. I believe that you came, you died, but you rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for every one of my sins. I invite you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I give myself to you right now. In Jesus' name, thank you for saving me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that was you, my friend, and you prayed that prayer with me, I'm so proud of you. I wonder, would you do me a favor and just lift up your hand and say, that was me, Pastor? I prayed that prayer. I'm not afraid or ashamed. Good. I'm not afraid or ashamed. Good. Good for you. I see you. Anyone else today? I prayed with you, Pastor. I took that step. Good for you. I would love to celebrate what you've done. I would love to send you some things that would help you understand what happened in your heart and what to do next. It would be my absolute honor to be able to help you do that. The easiest way for me to contact you is if you would text me. There's a number appearing on your screen right now. And if you text the words, I prayed to 844-HRC-TEXT, I'll send you some things that will help you. It's my free gift to you. I just wanna help you keep going. Good for you, I'm proud of you.